Quick question. Have you ever been in the presence of somebody that like just demanded a bow? Like when they came into your presence, when they entered a room or you, you saw them out in the public, like you just couldn't help but like lower yourself just a little bit. Whether you, you know, got all the way down, I don't know how many people actually have done that, but you see somebody and just instantly you're just like, wow, they are here, I am here, and you just kind of feel like this. For me, it's like, for those of you who are married or you have a significant other, maybe you're engaged or you have a boyfriend or girlfriend you're like super serious with, and, and he or she walks in the room, it's like that feeling like you, you buckle on the knees a little bit, like you lower yourself and you're just like, wow, takes my breath away. I know for me, shout out to my wife, when, when she uh, walked down this very aisle when we got married, I mean, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, there was an aisle here, so you can imagine that, and I was standing right here, and when I saw her for the very first time, I took a deep breath, and I just lowered myself, because it almost, like, to me, she demanded a bow, but for others of you, it's someone famous, uh, I don't know if you've ever approached somebody famous on the street before. I, I've had a couple rare occasions, even a pastor this past weekend. I was at a church conference in Nashville last week, and I saw one of, uh, two of my, my heroes, if you would. They're not really heroes. I don't want to put any man on a pedestal, but people I look up to in the ministry. One is the guy who really inspired this ministry. He's part of the porch ministry, or was a part of the porch ministry. His name is JP, for anybody who watches that. I got to talk with him in person, and I just tried not to sound stupid. Like, He's not that great, but like in that conversation, I'm just like, um, I'm, I'm from Quincy, Illinois, and, and, and we, we have a young adult ministry called The Collective, and, 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 and you, and, and I was just like, shut up, dude, just like take a day, deep breath, all right, take a deep breath. Uh, six years ago, uh, my wife and I, we went on a, probably one of the best trips of our lifetime. We've been to a lot of great places, but we went with Josh, actually, and his wife. And I think they would say it was probably one of the best trips we have ever uh, encountered. We went to New York City. And not only did we go to New York City, we did New York City the very best way you could do New York City. We did it in just a few short days. Uh, we did all sorts of things. We went to the 9-11 uh, Memorial Museum, which is just like very humbling in itself, uh, especially just passing by the anniversary of 9-11. Uh, we took a horse carriage ride in Central Park. We were uh, outside of the Today Show. Uh, we went to, my wife and I went to a musical. Josh, I think you guys did like the Dancing Lady Kicks. I forgot which one. You went one way, I went the other way. Uh, and then, we did the best thing you could possibly do, go to the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And it was incredible. We got tickets, we scored it, it was like, that's what spurred the whole trip on. And not only did we get inside of the studio, we're sitting second row. Not only are we sitting second row, but Will Smith is there in the crowd too. And he's just right there, and we're sitting right next to the Roots Band. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, on the way to the, Fallon, uh, the Tonight Show, we saw Quest Love on the Roots Band, on the street, walking. Later that, uh, that evening, afterwards, we're in the studio, and we're still talking, and during commercial breaks, Jimmy Fallon just says, are there any questions in the audience? And I don't know how it happened. I raised my, I think I raised my, I think I blacked out, but I raised my hands, and he called on me. And I'm like, me? Me? And, and I asked the question about my favorite sketch on, on the Tonight Show, and it's called, Ew. Anybody, anybody, any, okay? Like, Sarah, S-A-R-A, no H's, because H's are L. Like, I love it! But here I am, I'm just like, Jimmy Fallon's talking to me, and we see Chris Paul in the street later that night in New York City, and I was too chicken to go up to him, so I said, my, hey, Katie, can you go ask him if he'll give me an autograph? And so here I am in the background watching my wife, and she's talking to Chris Paul, and here I am just like, oh my goodness. Chris Paul's a basketball player? I don't know, if, just so put it in perspective. But anyways, 
there are times where we literally, we, we bow down to certain things, but it's not always people. Sometimes it's, it's negative things that really consume our lives. Uh, for some of us, man, it's just, it's lust. Like, let's just be honest. We submit to some of the lust that is inside of us. We, we submit to, to uh, temptations that, that overcome us, to, to desires that are inside of us. Do we just bow down to them? No, we, we submit to them like they, they come over us. We let them overtake us. And all of a sudden, we're, we're submitting to something that we shouldn't be submitting to. There's other things. There's this other destructive behaviors. But I think you guys are starting to get the picture. There's a lot of things we bow down to, whether it's people or whether it's, it's things of this world. And if you had to be honest with yourself, most days, some of those things are actually winning. They're, they're, they're actually taking precedent over one of the most important relationships you have, and that is with Jesus Christ. Like, sometimes you let your career, sometimes you let your, your sports your, your studies in college, sometimes even as a, as a husband or wife or a relationship, or if you're a father or a mother, you let your kids sometime get in the way of your relationship with God. You don't let God be the very first thing. And here's what I want to tell you. We're in this last series, last week of this series called This Changes Everything. And we're going to be hitting James chapter 4 tonight, and we're going to be hitting it like a lot of James chapter 4. There's so much in this chapter uh, too much to hit, but we're going to try to do as much as we can, all about what it looks like to draw near to God, what it looks like to make Him our greatest authority. But in order to do that, I think we need to take a good self-inventory of where we're at. Every, every individual. Listen, when you walked into this room, you are individuals too. Like, I know we always say we're better together, that's, and that's true, and I believe that with all of my heart. But when you walked in here, all of you are walking a, an individual, a separate uh, personal relationship with God. Whether you're in that or, but we're all trying to discover that together. And so, when you think about your own life, I want you to think through your week, think through your day, think through your last month. And I need you to take inventory. Do I? Am I drawn more to the world or am I drawn more to the things of Jesus? Am I drawn more to my relationship with God or more towards my, my own desires? So, here's some questions. This is not one of those things where you're like, let me, let me answer that, let me raise my hand. No, self-inflection, reflection. Think through these. Number one, how do you spend your free time? If you have free time, you, you got off work, you got done with class early, you got out of, you got out of uh, your sport, your practice. Man, do you spend time on, on, on worldly things all the time? Or is your priority Jesus? In your times, how many times in a week do you open up God's word? Today, did you open up God's word? Last, last week or this week at all, did you open up God's word other than the, the preacher at your church or wherever you go or just collective? Is this the only time we open up God's word? How many times did you pray? How many times did you stop, get on your knees and find a corner and just say, not just, hey Lord, thank you for my meal, thank you for all that you give me, amen. Not just, hey Lord, I'm going to bed, I pray that I have a good night's sleep and a good day tomorrow, amen. Like how many times do you engage with God in prayer? Because that'll tell you, are you leaning more towards the world or Jesus? How many times uh, do you think of others before yourself? You can think of that quickly. How many times do you use your resources, your money, your gifts, your abilities for God 
or for the world? How many times this week did you use a language that you know you shouldn't have used, but you use it because the people around you use it, so you use it anyways? Or you use that language to build up, or do you use that language to tear down somebody else? Because that'll tell you, are you drawn more to the world, or are you drawn more to, to God? How many times this, this week did you allow the temptation of your sexual lust and, and you engage in pornography, you watch, you viewed pornography, maybe even today and tonight, and I first off, quick sidebar, I'm so glad that you're here. I hope that you don't hear shame from that, that you could have chosen to just continue to live in that shame and, that, that, and, and continue to live in that sin and just did it in your own, but you still came. My prayer is that tonight you walk away from some of that shame and you walk away from that sin, but... Are you drawn more to the world, your, your own desires, or are you drawn more to, to God? I think the list can keep going on. I could go on the rest of this sermon and just say, are you drawn to, to Jesus, or are you drawn to your own desires, the world? But I think you have a good idea where you're at, because that's what I want you to be. Because listen, this is the start. Tonight, right now, this is the start. My prayer, that is this is not where you finish. That when you walk out these doors, you take a step towards God, away from the world, and maybe start living a life that's drawn more to him. And I need to be honest, when we get in this message of James 4, if you have your Bibles, you can start turning there. I need to be transparent. I needed this message. I needed this message bad. And I didn't know I needed this message. Until I started getting into it and researching it. Uh, spending time with God, drawing closer to him, and just asking him to provide a message, I'd realize how much I needed this message. And I'll try to talk a little bit about that in a little bit. But here we go. James chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1. A lot of verses right here. This is the biggest chunk of scripture we're going to be in. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you, ha- what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Listen to this, you adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with God or with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. But he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So I I gotta go quick. There's so much to break down in here. And I would just tell you, man, if you can just focus your, your personal Bible study on just this section of scripture this week, it would do a lot for you. But let me try to put some things in perspective. I believe out of this scripture, we can grab two things, just two simple things to take in and to draw near to God. Here's here's the first one. If we want to draw near to God, first and foremost, we need to become a friend of God. We need to become a friend of God. And I get it. You're like, Corey, that's, wow, so deep. 
so glad. I haven't heard that ever in my life, that God wants to be my friend and I need to be God's friend. Listen, it sounds so easy, and I thought so too. I was like, as I was typing this message, I'm like, become a friend of God. I was like, that is, that is just no. It's too easy. But then I was like, wow. Take a step back, look at your life, and you quickly realize that this is a pretty hard thing. Why do I say that? Well, if you look back at verse 4, it says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? So when you look at your own life, and you're like, man, I took inventory, I realized that a lot of areas in my life, I'm a friendship of the world, not really a a friend of God. I don't really uh, lean towards that side. And so we got to work on that. So what do we do? Because it's difficult. There's a lot of a lot of motivations in our life that kind of, that we submit to. That's not of God. It actually takes the place of God. So let me, let me kind of illustrate it this way. Uh, you may have seen this illustration used in a different way, and it's just one that just kind of came to me, it clicked in my mind. These jars represent just two lives, two souls, right? Uh, two young adults, male, female, female, male, doesn't matter what, all right? And this one, this is a person who just doesn't have a relationship with God, all right? There, there's nothing in there. It's just you trying to do you, and you're just, you're just being filled up with all what the world has to offer you. You're listening to everything people tell you. You're letting all your lusts, your desires, your temptations, they're just filling you. And they just fill the whole thing. That's all you got, right? There's no room for God. Like, you're like, ah, oh, uh, the friend of the world, I, I, I want to I do what, what my, my flesh desires. And you're just like, but I want to try to sprinkle God in there. I want to go to a collective on Tuesdays. I want to go to church on Sundays. And it's not, there's not much room. But over here, you have someone who says, man, I used to be like that. I used to be of the world. But then I realized how much I needed Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. You emptied all that out. Actually, you didn't. He did. When he comes inside of you, he takes full residence of your soul, of your heart. And he becomes the cornerstone. He becomes the epicenter of your life. And then all those other things. Now listen, I I know it may sound like everything in the world's evil. You need to go cling to a rock. You need to live under a rock and never go outside because the world is evil. I'm not saying that. And I don't think James is saying that either. What he's saying, when you have Jesus at your center, he is your cornerstone. You can start including some of those worldly desires that he places inside of you, some of those passions, some of those gifts. And when he's at the cornerstone, you can kind of fit. Look at all that wet sand. I love it. I just want to like make a mess. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. But here's what I want you to know. Jesus can do more when he, you start with him versus you trying to just fit him into your life. We need to become a friend of God and not a friend of the world. And your friendship, I think in a lot of friends, friendships, I think about some of mine, I believe it's, it's a lot easier to be a good friend when you're in close, close contact with them. And I get it. Some of you probably have friends back at home Right now you're at school or you're kind of a transplant to Quincy and you have a lot of good friends back where you live. You made some other good friends as well while you're here, but I believe you have to be in close contact to be really solid friends. I mean, for me personally, I had a best friend who all through junior high, all through high school, we played baseball together. He's the one that introduced Jesus to me. Uh, I mean, we were solid. We were so close. And then 
he went to school, I went to school. And then I came back here, started uh, a, a career, got married. He went to uh, another part of the country and was married. And then he, he started another career. And then he had kids. And then I had kids. And through that process, you know, we were calling and texting. And it was all good. But because of the distance, because of our lack of effort, we have drawn away from each other because we were not in close contact with one another. And I think you're going to see this in just a little bit. In our friendship with God, you're going to see that that could be true with you for those of you who are believers. Uh, verse uh, 8 in, in James chapter 4, it says this, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. And at first glance, I need to take another sidebar. For those of you in this room, and I know there's, there's some of you in this room who are you would not consider yourself a believer in Jesus. You're not a follower of Jesus. You may believe, but you're not a follower yet. You've never made that decision to trust him completely. You've never made that decision to start your life with him at the center. You're just kind of living over here and trying to sprinkle him in, right? For those of you, I just need you to hear this. This verse is not really directed towards those who are non-believers. This verse and this letter is written to believers. So quickly, just hear this. Jesus has moved close to you. He's done all the work. He made the first move. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He went on the cross and he says, I want to be your friend. He laid his life down for you and for me. So he's already made the move towards you. So coming close to him, yes, you have to accept him, but he's already made the first move. You just have to choose to accept it, all right? So I just need you to know that. But for, for this verse, I want to talk to believers just for a little bit. If you have been baptized, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, you're living a, a Christ-centered life, listen, when he says this, come close to me and I will come close to you, what you need to hear is this. You may find yourself in a position where you feel like God is far from you. And I just need you to know, he hasn't left you. He's not the one moving. I read a story of uh, an older couple. They make it their, uh, their tradition, I guess, if you will, to go to the drive-in movie. And uh, I know, I think it's an older couple because it's an older vehicle and, and the front seat, or maybe it's a truck, it, it's, just, it's not two bucket seats, it's just one long seat in the front. And when they get to the drive-in movies, in the beginning, the wife would always come and she'd sit right next to her husband and they'd watch the movie. And they keep going through the years, keep going through the years, and eventually the wife is on her own side, just enjoying the movie still, enjoying the company of her husband. And they look around to all the different cars, and the, and the wife notices something. She's like feeling a little, like not right in the, in the stomach, and she, she looks at her husband, and she says, why, why don't we, why don't we sit that close together anymore? And the husband said, it wasn't me that moved. I mean, I'm the driver. He's, he's stationary. He's in the driver's seat. And I think for us in our relationship with Jesus, that's what we do sometimes. We started, man, next to Jesus. I know that maybe seemed kind of, seemed kind of weird. We're at the driving movies with Jesus in the driver's seat, and we're really close to him. We're in this close friendship with him. And over time, we, we just kind of come over here a little bit. We, we position ourselves. We go explore more of the world. And we're like, God feels so far away from me. Why are you so far? And he's saying, listen, I haven't moved. I want to be your friend still. You are the one that moved. 
The second thing we need to discover tonight after becoming a friend of God is we need to exhibit humility. We need to show humility. We need to lower ourselves just a little bit. We need to lower ourselves to the right person. We talked in the beginning how we lower ourselves sometimes to the wrong people or to the wrong things, but we need to lower ourselves to the right person. We need to exhibit humility. James chapter 4 verse uh, 6 and 7 says, and he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. After you enter in that relationship with the Lord, after you become a friend of his, we must lower ourselves. It blows me away. I mean, when I think about this, I mean, I was just so convicted of this. How that we do as a a people. If the king or queen would walk in the room, I mean, we're we're bowing. If, If the president would come in over the, over the years and he would come in the room, we would, we would lower ourselves out of respect. If, if someone superstar or someone famous you see, you, do, you, you lower yourself. But catch this, man, when we come into a time of worship, when we enter in a Tuesday night of collective, when we, when we stand up and we sing and we start proclaiming these songs about the king, the king of glory, sometimes we're resistant in worship even. We are Man, shut off during a message. We're like, man, I'm thinking about what, what's coming up on the weekend. I, I don't want to engage with other people because uh, I'd rather be somewhere else. Like, our position of our, our posture is different when the king of the universe is in our presence right now. When we sing, do we exhibit humility? When we're in his presence, when we're reading his word, when we're praying, man, do we lower ourselves to God and just say, you are king you are Lord. When we realize that he is good, when he is superior, when he is powerful, when he is all-knowing, when we, when we know that he is creator God, man, do we lower ourselves when we encounter him? 1 Peter uh, chapter 5 has a lot of parallels to James chapter 4. And I think it's really important to, to discover this together to make sure you know what we're up against if we don't draw near to God. If we continue to side with the world, what we are doing. So I wanted to just hit First Peter chapter 5, kind of in closing today. And this is what it says. It's on the screen. And all of you, dress yourselves in humility. First off, that's what we should do every morning. We get up, get some clean underwear. We shower first, I guess. Um, get some clean underwear. Put some clothes on. Brush our hair. Put our shoes on. I don't know what order you're in. Look in the mirror. And you dress yourself with humility. Like it's something we need to do every single day. As you relate to one another, for, here it is again, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you're like, man, I can do this on my own, listen, that is a prideful heart. God wants to give you grace, but he gives grace to the humble, those who are, have humility. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Listen to this. Stay alert, collective. Young adults, stay alert. Stay alert. 
Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy me. We are under an attack. So we start with our friendship with God, and then we, we lower ourselves. And when we lower ourselves before God, when we dress with humility, here's what happens, is we are then starting to be protected. When we lower ourselves, man, God is around you, protecting you. Because it says right there, and back to James 4, we need to resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we know that is real. That there is a nature, a force of nature that is against you. He wants to devour you. You know, he's, he's the guy, he's the person that is the whisper in your ear saying, you don't need to go to collective tonight. Just stay by yourself. You don't need to be around different people. Hey, don't read your Bible. Man, get on, get on Instagram and just scroll for a little bit longer. Man, pull up TikTok Reels. And just get sucked into it because there's so much good stuff for you. It'll give you such good feelings inside. Don't read your Bible. Listen, that is the devil trying to devour you. That is him saying, I want to destroy you. If you're hearing whispers counter to being a friend of God or being in a position of humility, that is not God. That is the devil. And he's roaring around you. He's roaring around me. Ready to absolutely destroy us and so we need to go to James 4 when we resist the devil the word resist uh, here in James chapter 4 the, there's there's two Greek words that kind of go with that it's uh, translates to stand and against we need to stand against the devil in a humble position before God listen we're not the ones standing against him it's it's God who's protecting us who's watching us when we're in this position of humility Jesus is the one standing. He's already defeated the devil. He's already defeated Satan. We have victory in Jesus, but we need to be in the right position. We need to stand against his schemes. We need to avoid those things of the world that draw us to that place, and, and, and we need to stay committed to our friendship with God. Oh, my friends, I needed this message in a bad way because I could see myself starting to slip back to some old former ways, getting comfortable in my faith, almost like reaching in and I know Jesus is at the center of my life and I made him Lord and Savior of my life, but it's almost like I'm trying to maneuver him out a little bit to allow more world to come in. I've been finding myself a little more resentful, a little more frustrated with other people, and I'm a people person. I'm finding myself having a hard time connecting with God and his word. I fight for it every day, but man, it's so hard. I, I, I open it and I'm like, speak to me, Lord. And I feel like it's just returning void some days. I think about my prayer life and I'm like, ooh, can I be honest? Can you not hold it against the guy who's preaching God's word? The guy who's, who's preaching this message? My prayer life sucks. It does. And I think, I, I come to these moments where I'm frustrated, I'm tired. I sometimes think I just want to quit. Is there something else for me? I'm like, God, why are you so far away from me? And then I'm reminded 
he's not far away from me. I'm the one taking steps away from him. He is so faithful. He is so good. And I know I'm a friend of his, and I know he's a friend of mine, and I know that, man, my life has surrendered to him all areas, but I, I fall short just like you fall short. But I think this message, God's word in James, man, it just, it compelled me. I got to do something different. And maybe that's where you're at tonight, collective. That we don't just stay content with where we are, but we find out where we need to go. So I have two calls of action. And the first one is this. For those of you, you've never made that decision to be a friend of God. You've never made that decision to make him the center of your life. You've never made that decision to say, man, listen, the world has a lot at me, but I get that, and there's some good things in the world. But I need Jesus. I need him first and foremost. If you've never made that decision, man, the call to action today is this. Listen, do it. Like, you can do it today. Like, tonight. And here's how you do it. In a couple ways. Number one, there's going to be people on both sides. You can go up and you play. I don't know what he's talking about, but I know I want to be a friend of God's. I don't know what step to take. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to go. Let them help you. Let me help you. I'll be right up here as well. But you don't even need other people. Listen, sometimes religion gets it really backwards. You think you need to go to a person and, and they're going to give you the way. No, Jesus is the way. You come forward. You get on your knees, humble yourself, lower yourself before Jesus, and just say these words, I want to be your friend, because I know you're mine. And Jesus, this sounds cheesy, but listen, he's done it all. He's done it for you. He, he has sent you the request. Will you follow me? He, he, he went on your TikTok. He went on your Instagram. He, he friend requested you on Facebook. Cheesy, right? And he's just waiting for you to say Yes. But for some of you, and maybe like me, sometimes you got that one random person and you're just like, I'll save that request for later, right? I'll follow that person back later. Sometimes we do that because we're like, when I get married, when I have kids, when I start a career, when I move back, I'll start a relationship with you. No, listen, there is a war out there and you can't win this war by yourself. You need Jesus. So I'm asking you today, become a friend of his. Humble yourself. And after that, submit your life and through baptism. It's a huge step, but it's the necessary step. The second call, and I'm going to go quick, is this. For those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, maybe you're like me, and you just kind of moved away, and you need to recenter some things. Would you be bold enough to come forward, humbling yourself, getting on your knees, and asking God, what do you need to change? What do you you personally need to change to draw closer to him, to become that strong friend again. What is in your way? Humble yourself, but maybe you're somewhere in the middle. What if we entered in this time of worship in a posture of humility? What if 150 plus of us, I mean, we're in the presence of an almighty, an all-powerful, an all-knowing creator king. The king of the universe is here. We're going to sing some songs and we're going to worship him. What if we started on our knees, lower than what we deserve. And we allowed him just to speak to us, speak through us. Maybe you sing on your knees for a little bit. Maybe you sit in your chair for a little bit. Like I said, maybe you come forward. I don't know what it is for you, but I believe he's calling all of us to be a friend of his and enter a posture of humility. So right where you're at, 
I want you just to close your eyes. I want you just to, I'm going to let you get on your knees when you want to get on your knees. I'm not going to mandate that. I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. But if you want to, you can. If you want to come forward now, you can. If you want to just stay right where you're at and just stick your hands out. Maybe you're not a believer, but you're just saying, God, I want to believe. You just extend your hands out and you say, God, I need you. God, I want you. I want to humble myself before you, God. I want to resist the devil, and I know, God, your promise says that the devil will flee from us. God, I want to come close to you, and God, we know that when we're close to you, you never left us. You're so close to us, but it says you are close beside us. You are with us. So God, we humbly come before you in your presence right now. God, praying for this movement, for these young adults, God, just for them to draw close to you in these moments, to be a friend of yours in these moments, and just to encounter you in a way they've never encountered you, God. So I pray right now, Jesus, humbly we come before you, lifting up your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's respond, collective.